true believers and strap in as we journey with Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Excelsior! Not to mention the evil genius and brilliant leadership of myself. Open the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thank you for joining us for another episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. My name is Matt Spectro. I am your host. I am a lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, and this is the podcast exclusively about animation springing from the world of comic books. If you are new to the podcast, I will explain the rules. I explained one already. Number two, it's like Marvel Team Up, DC Comics Presents. I'm always teaming up with someone to talk. And the third and most important rule, we got to have fun. Welcome to episode 17. Before we go any further, I'm going to introduce my guest. I should say my guests because we have another double-sized episode. First, you might remember her from our previous Spider-Woman episode, the love of my life, Jamie Spectro. Hello, happy to be back. And also, for the first time ever appearing on the multiverse, he is the youngest person to ever appear in my podcast, my stepson, Welcome to the multiverse, Corey. Hi, I'm happy to be here. This is uh, historic, Corey. I don't know if you know this, you are the youngest ever guest of our show. All right. He's speechless. <laughs> he's so overwhelmed with emotion, he's speechless, everybody. <laughs> this is also a special uh, event. As you all know, uh, I review animation from the world of comic books. And we're going to make history, because for the first time ever... We're going to be reviewing a brand new cartoon. We are talking What If. This just debuted just a few days ago, August 11th, 2021, Marvel Comics What If. How's it feel, both of you, to be part of history? It's exciting. It is very exciting. What do you think, Corey? You excited? Very excited. <laughs> I hope um, you don't have to give a lot of oral reports at school, Corey. All right, what if the concept, the comic book, was published by Marvel Comics, first debuted back in 1977. The initial writer, Roy Thomas, said he had come up with the idea because uh, he was uh, feeling a little restricted by having to fit all of his stories into established canon in the Marvel Universe. So he wanted to uh, loosen up the reins a little bit, do a little bit creative, not have to worry so much about being uh, locked into the continuity that had already happened. Roy Thomas also came up with the idea of the framing uh, of it, of having the Watcher host it, much like Rod Serling in the old Twilight Zone, where the Watchers, as you may or may not know, because you guys are more familiar with the MCU, are a race of ancient alien beings that observe the universe. They almost never interfere. They always observe. They actually showed up briefly in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but you probably don't remember that. Back then, the comics were always what if, like the first episode was uh, they would take an event in comic books and change something slightly. Some of the ones they had done were what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four, going back to uh, Spider-Man number one, he tried to join, and that, that did not happen. They did what if Spider-Man had never become a crime fighter, where he actually stopped the criminal from escaping who would later kill his Uncle Ben. So, 
Marvel, Disney Plus doing the new series What If, just debuting a few days ago. We're going to talk about this a little bit. Now, um, this actually fits into the continuity of the Marvel Cinematic Universe more than just alternate realities or based on the comic books. Uh, Because of the events of the Loki show, which none of us have seen at this point, and what's going on with Doctor Strange 2, they have created the multiverse, which is a series of infinite parallel Earths. And every one of these stories actually takes place on another Earth in the multiverse of Marvel. We're going to get into a little bit of details of the first episode. It wasn't really titled. Um, if I had to come up with my own title, I guess I would call it What If Peggy Carter Had Gotten the Super Soldier Serum. The show was created and by the, and the head writer who wrote this episode by A.C. Bradley, also known as Ashley Bradley. She had worked on uh, Troll Hunter, Tales of Arcadia. Corey is the, uh, bringing in the, uh, the youth to this. That must be something you're familiar with. I am not. <laughs> and she's going to be one of the writers on the upcoming Ms. Marvel show for Disney+. Plus. The director of this episode, Brian Andrews. He's directed such things as The Clone War, Samurai Jack, My Life as a Teenage Robot. And the head animator is one Steve Frank. And he was the co-creator of uh, Corneal and Bernie. Must be one of your favorite shows, right, Corey? It obviously is. <laughs> Jamie, you've heard of that. Corneal, who hasn't heard of Corneal and Bernie? I haven't heard of Corneal and Bernie. Plus, he directed The Legend of Smurfy Hollow. Apparently, I like Sleepy Hollow with Smurfs. Yes, apparently that's, that's a thing, which I was unaware of. So uh, one of the things I'd heard about this is uh, they had wanted to expand on the MCU. Um, they had some of the descriptions I had read was this was Die Hard meets Wes Anderson when they came up with the concept of this. Uh, Wes Anderson directed such films as The Life Aquatic and uh, The Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, remain to be seen if uh, how much this is Die Hard meets Wes Anderson. Uh, really, they say because there's action filled with a lot of character examination. Go figure. When they came up with this concept, uh, they came up with approximately... Uh, I want to back up a little bit. I want to make sure that I establish it. No, nobody on the show is an expert. We provide as much info as possible. We might get it wrong. Uh, and there's going to be major spoilers on this episode being that we're reviewing, usually reviewing something like 10, 15, 20 years old, but now we're reviewing something that's like two days old. They had about 30 ideas, and they narrowed it down to the nine-episode season. A lot of strange ideas were suggested, including uh, what if Jane Foster had found the Hammer of Thor, which was a story from the original comic. That was scrapped because in the upcoming Thor 11 Rockets, uh, Natalie Portman comes back as Jane Foster and actually gets the Hammer of Thor, so they decided to scrap that. Don't know if you knew that or not. You both look very baffled at this point in time. I did not know that. <laughs> and they claim, this I find hard to believe, that they even pitched the idea of a Luke Skywalker crossover episode. I find that preposterous. I, I think it's an urban legend, but hey, can there really be an urban legend on something that came out two days ago? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Also, uh, they had the advantage of they could get many actors from the uh, MCU to appear on this season, um, doing the voices they did in the show. Not this particular episode, but this actually will, an episode will have the final appearance of uh, one Chadwick Boseman, who had played Black Panther, who had sadly passed away last year. Uh, but he had done these voiceovers for an episode feeling T'Challa. 
before he had passed away. So that's that's kind of nice to see him playing Black Panther uh, one more time. Uh, now the animation style, um, they they went for a cell shaded animation style, which is more of a uh, non. It's a type of uh, non photorealistic rendering designed to make three D computer graphics appear to be flat by using shading color instead of uh, tints and shade. It's often used to mimic the style of a comic book or a cartoon. We're going to get into some of the players of this particular episode. What if Peggy Carter had gotten, or Margaret Carter had gotten the super soldier serum? If you've ever heard the show before, you haven't. Uh, we try and give credit where credit is due. Obviously, the main character, uh, Margaret Peggy Carter, was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, voiced by Haley Atwell, who had actually played her in the MCU films. Captain America, the first Avenger show, she appeared in uh, Age of Ultron, I believe, uh, Winter Soldier. Jeffrey Wright, who is the voice of The Watcher, the Rod Serling of this uh, show. For all those who don't know, Rod Serling was the host of The Twilight Zone. He, The Watcher, was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And uh, he's voiced by one Jeffrey Wright, who you know he played Felix Leiter in the uh, James Bond films, the Daniel Craig ones. He was going to play Commissioner Gordon in the upcoming Batman film. I believe he was on Westworld and Boardwalk Empire. And Jamie, you would know him. He played uh, BT in Catching Fire, the second Hunger Games film. I do love the Hunger Games. So yes, I would know who he is. (laughs) Bucky Barnes, created by Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. And he is voiced by Sebastian Stain, who everyone knows plays Bucky Barnes in the MCU films. Red Skull will be appearing, created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. A Ross Marcan does the voice. And he actually did not play Red Skull in Captain America, the first Avenger, but he did play him in both Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, he also did the voice of the Immortal on Invincible, and he also is Aaron on The Walking Dead. Now, even though he's not Captain America, Steve Rogers also appears, and he is uh, he was created by Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. A uh, Josh Keaton voiced him. He did the many cartoon voices, including the spectacular Spider-Man. And finally, one Howard Stark, created by Archie Goodwin and uh, Don Heck. I believe he was related to uh, the middle, the family on the middle, the Heck family. Yes, it's a Mike Heck's second cousin. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding you. Uh, Dominic Cooper does the voice of Howard Stark, who played Howard Stark in Captain America, the first Avenger. All right. So there you have it. Are you guys excited for What If, the first episode? I'm excited. I'm excited now, now that I've heard your spiel. Corey? Very excited to watch this monumental moment. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, We will take a little break, and the three of us are going to watch the very first episode of What If, and we will share our thoughts. When we come back, stay with us. All this to make one super soldier. Steve! That's the moment. It has to be now. That created a whole new hero. Oh! This Wednesday, the secrets of the multiverse will be revealed. Oh, I'm counting on it. Ponder the question. What if? Streaming Wednesday, only on Disney+. Plus. If you're looking for adventure this summer, escape with Marvel Comics, fight crime with Spider-Man, meet the Fantastic Four, and watch Captain America in action. May the Force be with you as you battle the evil empire in Star Wars, 
Discover the secrets of the South American jungle in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And with Marvel Comics, you're never alone because they can go with you in the car or to the park, even on a rainy day. Marvel Comics are your ticket to fun and adventure this summer. This January, it's lights, camera, take two, Carter. Welcome to Los Angeles. America's top agent is heading to Hollywood for action. I'm the chick with the shotgun. Fantastic. Romance. Sam. You should too. And a whole lot of kicking. Get a punch all of LA. I could do with a hobby. Hit a pat a pop in the heart. Go. Ready for another adventure, Miss Carter? Marvel's Agent Carter two-hour premiere event. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. And we just watched the first episode of the uh, What If series on Disney Plus. That was a monumental moment. Don't you think so, Corey? I would say so. Animation style that they do. I'm not, after watching it now, I'm not sure if I think it's good or bad. I'm kind of really torn on what I thought of this animation style. It's definitely not your traditional hand-drawn, but at the same time, it didn't look like traditional computer animation either. No, I would say it looks kind of like a upgraded, like, I, you know, the kind of animation I like is that like Finding Nemo type animation. So there's still, it looked older, but more vibrant color. Kind of looked like that movie, uh, Scanner Dark, was that the name of it? That movie came out in the early 2000s at Woody Harrelson, Keanu Reeves, where it almost looks like they borrowed footage from the movies and just drew over them. Corey, what do you think? I mean, it's very interesting. It's not something I'm used to. All right, so we opened with a uh, kind of a very cool credit scene, I thought, where the Watcher is narrating, talking about the multiverse and the parallel universes being built. Pretty cool. And he talks about uh, it's 1943, and uh, you see there's uh, soldiers, a map of the Red Skulls, and the Nazis are taking over Europe. They're going to win the war with a super soldier, the Allies, and they go over Cap's origin a little bit. Now, I want to harp on very much, this is not a what-if scenario from the comic books. This is actually a what-if scenario of something from one of the films, specifically Captain America, the first Avenger. So I'm assuming that's going to be the norm for the whole series. He says one decision or one moment will change things. So we go back to the origin. You know, you remember where everyone's in the big room and they're going to put Steve Rogers in the big, uh, what do you call those things? Uh isolation chamber there and they're going to inject him with the super soldier serum but this time the big what if the big change abraham erskine who created the super soldier serum he says to peggy carter wouldn't you be more comfortable in the booth now this is when the change takes place because peggy went into the booth but he or she does not she stays on the floor with everybody else to watch steve rogers being put into the chamber and then she looks around while they're getting ready to start. And she sees the, uh, that evil Nazi spy or Hydra spy with a lighter. And she's going to try and stop. Now, this is another thing I don't, right off the bat, I got to say it's bizarre because he, in the movie, waited for them to completely finish the experiment on Steve Rogers before he caused the explosion and shot Stanley Tucci 
But yet here, for some reason, he blows things up early. Well, they needed to do that in order to have it go forward with their change. Yeah, but right off the bat, isn't that like, he says it's one little thing that changes to make this whatever. Right off the, the bat, one there's, little thing there's two was, changes. There's multiple changes. Her staying, him pulling the trigger early. There's multiple changes. But that one change with her staying maybe changed the course. Why would her not going in the booth with him accelerate his plan and do it completely different than he did in the film? Well, maybe because she started running towards him. So maybe he knew. He jumped. She, she saw it. You're right. And she reacted. She went towards him. If he's reacting to her lunging at him and he pulled the trigger early, that makes sense. Because she did react to seeing him. So there's a big explosion. The guy runs the super soldier serum. Steve gets out of the thing and tries to confront him. He gets shot at least twice. So then he grabs the serum and then Peggy Carter shoots him, apparently killing him. Stark's like, oh, we're running out of time. We got to do this now. So I guess you're under the impression that Abraham blew up in the explosion because in the movie he got shot. And that's why there was only one super soldier. But I guess in this one, he must blow up. And that's the reason that there aren't going to be others. I know there's a room full of people and then all of a sudden there was like no people. So you can only assume. The generals tell Stark to go in and he says, I can't do that. I'm just the guy who pushes the buttons. So Agent Carter, she goes in instead. Why couldn't Steve go in? He wasn't dead. Being injected with a super soldier serum, wouldn't that kind of regenerate him or does it not well it might be because he has to be uh he can't be bleeding and shot while they're trying to do this experiment on there and so she says this is our only chance we have to do it she tells stark to do it even though the general tells him not to stark does it anyway and infuses her with the serum and then you know it's just like the movie the lights everything goes off and she comes out and apparently this explosion didn't damage any of the equipment no. So they can still do the experiment completely the same. Well, couldn't they still do the experiment like next week when they pick someone else? Like, I guess was this maybe, the only moment? Maybe it damaged the equipment of why they had to do it now because okay. it wouldn't work again. I, I don't know. That's a little, that a little confusing. And uh, she emerges and uh, she is much taller and buffer than she was before making apparently the super soldier serum works. Stark even says, looks like you won't be needing those... Uh, High heels anymore. Now, I have to bring this up. Uh, been a big, I don't know about big, but it's been a bit, of, a bit of a brouhaha about her appearance on social media since getting the uh, serum. A lot of people said it's a, uh, they say it's part of a trend of an attack on femininity and entertainment where she looks too masculine and they seem to always want to get rid of any feminine traits female heroes have. What's your take on that? That's just ridiculous. Now, I admit, I think some people are overreacting. There are some shots where it really doesn't look right, where she literally looks to me like a man that they put a female's body on. It does make sense that she would be bigger and taller because at this point, even though they screw this up later in the MCU, the super soldier serum actually has like a dramatic physical effect on people. Like the Your- Red Skull and Captain America both had a, a physical effect on them. You're right now that I think about it because when Steve Rogers gets a super soldier serum, he turns that scrawny little kid into Captain America. Yeah. He gets bigger. Why would it not have the same effect on her? But you're right because when we were watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, 
they all had the super soldier yeah, the serum. The super soldier serum has uh, been completely inconsistent in the MCU. Yeah. Uh, the no Flag Smashers all get it, but they all look completely yeah, they all normal. Look normal. U.S. agent gets it, doesn't change his physicality, the way he looks at all. Well, they all look normal, but I don't think those girls look more feminine because they're petite. <laughs> no, I know. I don't think Wonder Woman looks non-feminine because she's huge. I'm just saying is that they've been very inconsistent with the effects of the super soldier serum on uh, people's physical traits over the true. MCU. Corey, you agree? I would have to agree with that. Another dynamite drop in by Corey on our show. So, well, the ultimate verdict we're going to say is uh, you don't think it kills her femininity. No, I think that a tall woman can be feminine. <laughs> I, the Look only at all p- the six foot two models out there. The only part I agree with is the sum of the animation. She does look, her body doesn't look right. I don't have a problem with her being bigger and taller, but some of the animation, it, it doesn't, it, it looks off to me. That's the way animation works. You can't take any character that you see that's animated and put them into a real life situation and expect them to have the same dimensions and the same look. So uh, her and Howard are all pleased with themselves, but then they cut to a scene where the colonel says, this is an absolute failure. $60 million down the drain. You got to think this is 1943. $60 million is going a lot further along than it is uh, here in 2021. So that's one goddamn expensive uh, super soldier. It is. What's $60 million? Nineteen forty-three dollars and twenty twenty-one dollars. Yeah, I, I would I would have to do the math, but I'm, it's it's worth a hell of a lot more than it is now. She says that uh, she knows it's not ideal, but they had no choice. And uh, he says she's lucky that she's not brought up on charges. Gotta say, Corey, this guy is pretty ornery throughout the uh, <laughs> the episode. I know this is his first appearance, but this continues to happen. After that, uh, he says uh, the only thing you're useful for is we're gonna. Maybe use your blood to make some real super soldiers. If that's the case, why have they never taken Steve Rogers' blood and tried to make other super soldiers? Or Isaiah Bradley's from uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier when they had him captive for how many years? They don't know about that right now, <laughs> right? Yes, but I'm just saying that when uh, it's going to come up more, but the continuity of the rest of the MCU makes no sense in a lot of instances on this thing. Well, that's because this is what if we didn't have to stay within the guidelines of the current MCU and did something different. You can't compare it to the other world because the other world doesn't exist. They didn't take Steve Rogers' blood and find out about other super soldiers because he's not a super soldier in this world. So She says you, uh, you already have a real super soldier. And he says, uh, women aren't soldiers. They don't fight in the front line. They might break a nail. Huh? I don't know about the break and ale comment, but it's 1943, and I don't think women did fight on the front line in 1943. No, it wasn't very common. Most of them had uh, stepped up and had worked in the in the factories, replacing, helping the war effort when most of the men were in the uh, military. Mm-hmm. So people will hear it now and automatically get triggered, but in reality, in 1943, women weren't fighting on the front lines. Uh, yeah, you get a point there. So then they go to, uh, she's very mad, uh, punching a punching bag and throwing around steel weights. Steel weights. I don't know if they're steel. Metal weights. Very upset about what's going on. She's hanging out there with Steve Rogers. Steve's very impressed. I mean, wouldn't you be? I couldn't throw a weight like that. Could you, Corey? Depends on the size. If it's nice and small, I could easily. But if it's big like that, I don't know if I could. She's really mad. She even says, why can't you do that to Hitler's head? And then Steve says, it could be worse, they could stick you on a USA tour being told when to smile and wave wearing a silly costume. This is a bizarre comment to say because even when he did that in First Avenger, 
That wasn't the original plan. They came up with that after they found out he was going to be the only one. So please, one of you explain to me why the hell he would even say that. He's not really saying it to her. Maybe he's saying it to the audience to say that that's not the direction they're going. They're not going to turn her into Captain America where she's just a face. So then um, he sees that his uh, friend Bucky has joined. I think it was the 107th, but I could be wrong about that. But they won't even tell him where Bucky is. Remember that because that's going to come up uh, later on on the episode. She apologizes to Steve. must be hard for her to see him uh, do that. I like the fact that... um, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. They never resorted to the Steve is jealous because she's a woman or anything like that. Steve just has his normal insecurities that he had in the... They didn't try and pull any other kind of crap like that. They they still clearly... It doesn't harm their relationship like I thought they were going to go, you know, where Steve would be resentful toward her. He says that uh, he doesn't mind. They do the whole conversation about promising... He still doesn't have a dance partner and she's going to promise him a dance. Uh, but he hasn't found the right partner, you know, the kind of interaction they had in the uh, in the show. And then they go to uh, go to Norway, see tanks and soldiers. The Red Call shows up in his Hydra car. They're talking about Hydra being in Norway. And they make it very clear that it's not Nazis, it's Hydra. Now, this is another thing. Uh, Marvel, the MCU, seems to have this weird obsession with removing the Red Skull from being a Nazi. Which I understand if you don't want Nazi symbols and whatnot in your film, but at the same time, he's sort of a despicable human being. It's a big part of his origin. I don't know why we're they're they're so obsessed with making it Hydra and making Hydra a clear separation from the Nazis. Any thoughts, either one of you? I really don't have any thoughts on that. <laughs> Corey, we haven't been able to shut you up. What do you think <laughs> about that? I have no thoughts on it either. Oh, brother. All right. Um so they go back to the Red Skull. Uh, he gives a big speech about how uh, Odin's power, the power of the gods, and the guy says, it's just a legend. He says, if it's just a legend, why have you gone to such lengths to hide it? This scene's pretty much exactly for, like the movie. He gets the Tesseract, and they shoot the old man. He's dead, and the Red Skull has got the Tesseract at this point in time. Um, and then they go back to them, the colonel, Peggy, Howard, saying how oh, that thing must be halfway to Berlin. And we got to send a team. He says, you're both crazy. I'm not sending one man, let alone a platoon. And this doesn't even concern her. She's lucky to be in the room. Again, is he really that upset about her being the super soldier? That, or would they have treated Steve Rogers the same way? Because they did kind of treat him like crap at the beginning of the movie as well. I don't know if they would have treated him the same way in this situation. He was the chosen one. He was the one that they were going to turn into the super soldier where she just disobeyed a, a direct order. He says it's essentially a giant battery, and he says that uh, hopefully the war will be over before Hydra can turn it on. Guy's not taking this very seriously. Then they go to Stark and uh, Peggy in a bar. Uh, Stark gives her the costume of the shield with upgrade that was going to be for a USO outfit, and uh, it looks pretty much like, uh, if you ever remember the uh, Marvel character who's one of the invaders, Union Jack. It's kind of a cross between that and Captain America's suit, but it's very British, except no mask. We go to a shot of Zolo, Armin Zolo, who's in a caravan, and it's ambushed by her with her shield with the Union Jack. She starts kicking ass. This was actually my favorite scene in the episode. I don't know about the two of you. She comes in fighting. She suplexes a truck. <laughs> she runs into a truck. She's just kicking ass in this scene. She uh, throws a motorcycle at one point. She's using the kicking ass with the shield. She says, uh, I'm usually much more covert than this. 
which I found pretty amusing. She kicking ass. What I liked about it is like she has it was her reaction to the thing she did is what I liked. Like she acted like surprised and like overjoyed. Like so many times people get superpowers. They're so matter of a fact the first time they fight, but she was actually acting like someone would act the first time you could suddenly do these miraculous things, like say, suplex a truck. This is a question I have and it's gonna show my true colors here. But um when you become a super soldier, does that come with the ability in your mind to know how to fight? Well, she is a trained agent, so she would probably know how to fight. She's a trained already. agent, but she doesn't do field work. She is still a woman in 1943 as a trained agent. Can she, like, I wouldn't even know how to go about doing some of these these moves. Like, does your body just all of a sudden know how to fight? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, they do say that you have enhanced reflexes, so you can put that into it. You have to suspend disbelief for most of it. The only part I might question is how proficient she is with the shield already. Where I don't think Cap himself was that proficient right off the bat, but hey, you know, what are you going to do? It was a pretty neat scene, you got to admit. Corey, you had to like it. She suplexed a truck. No, it's fantastic. I'm just wondering if the, if it worked the same. It seems like they get to, to be very good at fighting very quickly. That is true. Corey, do you remember? She just seems to know how to fight. And we don't know if she has any fighting experience. This is true. So after, and then this big bad Nazi comes up. He does the old neck crick, you know, where uh, that usually means shit's going to hit the fan, Corey. When you, uh, I bet when you play hockey and the gloves come off and the guy does the neck crick, you know that you're down for a fight, wouldn't you say? I would say so. How did we do 16 episodes without this man? He's like, <laughs> his input. It's invaluable. So he uh, he says that the Allies must be desperate. They're going to send a fragile Berlin. How do you say that? Freulein. Freulein. Which I, I love how in entertainment, Germans cannot say woman or female. For some reason, they're unable to say that it's Freulein every time. No matter how much English these German characters can speak, they can never say the word female or women. They always say Freulein. Freulein. Mm-hmm. She uh, throws down the shield and pretty much kicks his ass in like uh, three punches. In fact, uh, Corey, if I'm not mistaken, didn't she punch him in the balls? I'm not sure if he actually did. She punched him in the knees and then she there was a shot. There was definitely in the lower abdominals, possibly very low. And he definitely looked like he got a ball shot. What do you think? I would say it looked like, but I'm not sure if he actually did. After that, she rips open the things, gets Zolo, who has the uh, Tesseract, so they get it. He even says Scheiser. Which, which is a swear in German. Which is a swear in Germany. I don't know if you know that, Corey. On the Disney Channel. I can't believe they have done this. Poop. Yeah. It's So they go back to the um Sharon Howard and that that damn colonel again who's still pretty ornery at uh poor Sharon. Or Peggy. He says, You're not even qualified to be an agent. And she says, Well, you need to promote me. Captain has a nice ring to it. Huh? Now she's just promoting herself. I just, I wonder if I, I should go that do that at my job. Be insubordinate and then promote and then yourself. Promote myself. <laughs> give myself a title. Corey, you should just name yourself what the, the team uh, captain of your hockey team. She gives the Tesseract to Howard. Uh, says, I bet you know what to do with it. And he says, I know exactly what to do with it. And then you cut to, he's working on the Tesseract with something with Steve. And he says something about, is Steve ready to join the war effort? But we don't know what exactly is going on there. Then we go back to him, and there's a map of Europe. Now, 
Suddenly now Steve Rogers does know where Bucky is, even though previously he said they wouldn't tell him. Now he's 50 miles behind enemy lines. And he knows this. We don't know how, but we found that out. At this point, what is Steve Rogers even? A private in the army? Like, he's not a super soldier. He's not an agent. Why are they telling him this information? Just because his friend happens to be in that platoon? Anyone? No. I don't know. I mean, it's a minor point. I know I'm nitpicking a little bit, but it did stick in my craw a little bit. They both say how they uh, owe each other a dance. Well, Steve says she owes him one because he's going to save Bucky. And she says that you owe me a dance. Then you, uh, next scene, we have a motorcycle Nazi, and she's running right next to it. She's just as fast as the motorcycle, punches him off it, and takes it. She goes to the uh, hideout of Hydra, and uh, she breaks in, and uh, the Howling Commandos are in a cell. Dum Dum Dugan says, uh, since when do dames fight like that? Huh? Bitch, all the kids in school, uh, dames, isn't that the word you're using nowadays? No, no, it's not. What would you uh, use to describe the females? Posh girls. <laughs> All right. Good boy. Good. <laughs> and then he says, after she punches a Nazi, I should say, I'm sorry, punches a Hydra, I guess uh, since today they fight like that. I understand. And then she says, I'm here for Sergeant Barnes. He says, who are you? The Queen of England? Uh, Good one. She rips off the cell door and says, the name's Captain Carter. Rogers sent me. Captain Carter. No. P-U. I don't like it. Not like Captain Britain, Captain America. Oh, can't be Captain America. Any kind of superhero power. Captain Carter. It's like anybody who advances and they become like, Captain this or Captain that. It's not special. Well, it's not like his name was Steve America. It was Steve Rogers. Exactly. And he became Captain Captain America. America. Exactly. I mean, they couldn't be bothered to come up with any kind of superhero name for Captain Carter. Come on, Corey. You can't uh, think that's a good name. What would you name her, Corey? Captain Britain's okay. Captain Britain. There is a Captain Britain in the Marvel. Captain Britain. I think that would have been better. Um, there was a Captain Britain, but he did not appear until much later, so it wouldn't have... Uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time they... It would have been better than this. Captain Carter. Jesus Christ. Like, within the writer's room, they're just like, I don't know, we'll just... Captain Carter, what the hell? <laughs> so, she breaks out with the Howling Commando. She blocks a tank with the shield at one point, kicking ass as always. And all of a sudden, here comes a big Iron Man suit with Steve Rogers in it. It's a... Uh, Cross between, I would say, the Iron Man suit from Iron Man 1 and the Iron Giant, wouldn't you say? I'd have to agree with that. It reminded me of, like, Iron Man before Iron Man would become, like, sleek and new. You know, like how computers and cell phones were, like, bigger and get smaller? It reminded me of that, like a very old, clunky Iron Man. So, which Howard Stark created with the Tesseract. Now, again, I'm going to take issue. It got the America the first Avenger, the end of the movie. Howard Stark gets the Tesseract. It's 70 years later, his son Tony builds the first armor. Why the hell couldn't he build this armor in the actual MCU, considering he did it immediately? (coughs) I'm getting so worked up that I'm coughing it. He immediately builds it in this universe, but for some reason, he never did it at all in the actual MCU. This is an alternate universe to the actual MCU. Yes, but 
it's supposed to be this one thing changes thing. Corey, you got input? You're going to raise your hand? It's You're finally going to speak? It's not one thing just changes. It's just to piss me off now, I bet. No, I think it's because, well, Steve was supposed to be fighting, but he never actually had a chance to fight because he didn't have the serum. So Peggy wasn't going to fight, so they had no need to build the suit. This is true. They weren't just going to build a suit for Peggy. Um, it makes... And need I remind you, in the MCU, they've developed numerous other super soldiers we found out since then. But they had the Tesseract the whole time, and then in Avengers 1, they developed all this technology specifically to take out Thor because of what happened in Thor. But he never built this armor in 70 goddamn years. But he does it here because Peggy is Captain America, not Steve. Somehow that leads to we can figure it out now. Maybe it's not a matter of figure it out. Maybe it's a matter of need or motivation. Because I'm not, I mean, I'm not overly familiar, but doesn't Tony Stark build the Iron Man suit? Yes, in 2008. But he doesn't he build like an Iron Man clunky suit when he's like pushed away like in that desert? Yeah, in Afghanistan. And- because of a need motivation? Yeah. Well, maybe this is a, it's need-based or motivation-based versus... What the heck? Let's try this out 70 years earlier. Okay, like, well, let's go over this. Maybe let's, when push comes to shove, they, he's they figure it out. He's part of the formation of S.H.I.E.L.D. He didn't die until the 90s. At this point, they developed the Ant-Man serum, the Pym particles. They've done all these other things. Other super soldiers. Never occurred to him to build that armor, but for some bizarre reason in this version, he does it immediately. Yes, because I think you're mistaking one thing changing and everything else staying the same to one thing changing which creates a ripple effect of other things changing so you're saying like they say one thing changed but then all these other things changed well they did because of that one thing it's a ripple effect and they didn't need to do it though because her getting the super soldier serum doesn't in turn mean that the male counterpart steve rogers has to have superhero anything He should have just stayed the supporting character. So we'll move on. They kick ass together. They they defeat the enemies. Uh, He reveals to Bucky that it's him, Steve, and he says, you can't even drive a car. And then Dum-Dum says, hey, we got a dame and a flying Buick. (laughs) And they uh, they cheer. He says, we have a war to win. Now, this was probably a pretty cool scene. They go to this musical montage of Sharon and the Hydra Stomper, which is what it's called, kicking Nazi ass. With some great 40s swing type music. Pretty cool scene where they keep cutting to the colonel who tells the president that uh, he told Stark to build the Hydra Stomper. Not bad enough that he doesn't have any faith in uh, Peggy. He's trying to take the credit for it. They're fighting planes. Um, He uh, says that uh, it was his idea to uh, put Peggy in the field. Um, At one point, she uh, hits a guy in the face multiple times with the shield. Last I checked, the shield was made of vibranium, so I think hitting someone once in the face would knock him out, but I guess he's a Nazi, so he deserves to get punched several times. <laughs> and If I came across a Nazi, Corey, I'd hit him multiple times with a vibranium shield as well. All right, and then they, uh, they go to uh, Hydra Castle. There's this big uh, stone statue that the Red Skull is looking at. It uh, looks like it's got like Norse... Like hieroglyphics almost. And then uh, the other Nazi says that the Fuhrer demands his presence. And uh, the Red Skull says, a god doesn't meet a man's demands. And he says, you know, god, you lost the Tesseract. And now you're playing with metal trinkets. Uh, And then he says that this is going to bring the true champion of Hydra, who will be summoned from beyond the stars. 
kind of got me intrigued as to what was coming at this point. I don't know about you when he said that. You know, he had this piece of North mythology, Champion Pound of Stars. I got to admit, my, they piqued my interest of where this was going. What do you think? Is everything going to be connected? What, like, are you saying, like, future episodes? Well, there's something later on in the episode where I'm going to talk about it when we get there. But, like, when I was watching it for the first time, oh, okay. this I piqued you my interest of uh, where this was going on the episode. Corey, any theories? <sighs> All right. So uh, he uh, ends up shooting this guy, screaming at him, takes off his mask, and he says the Third Reich will fall, and then Hydro will rise from the ashes. Once again, separating themselves from the Nazis. And then we go to uh, Steve and uh, Peggy drinking. She says uh, she can't feel the effects of whiskey because of the serum, much like uh, Steve in the Captain America and the First Avengers. Yes. Steve asks her about, uh, says how it matches the outside now matches the inside. So I guess he always knew Peggy was a uh, tough she as was, nails. Yep, always knew she was tough. I do like that they don't really change their dynamic that much um, because of this. You know, they keep it very similar to how it was in the movies. She says how she always wanted to be heard, but now people are paying attention. And Steve uh, says, I know how you feel. I'm still the skinny kid from Brooklyn. So I think that works why their relationship always worked because they're both kind of coming from the same place, you know. Her being a woman in the time period and him being a skinny kid always wanted to prove himself. And he says, I'm just a man in a suit. And she says, doesn't matter about the suit. It's who's in the suit. You're my hero. And then she corrects herself. Oh, wait, a hero. Uh, and then they're going to go in for a kiss. But Stark clumsily interrupts him, not aware of what's going on. And Barnes stole a Jeep. So they're going to go into action. Now we go to a shot of the snowy mountains and uh, the train, much like in the first Avenger. They know Red Skull is on the train. She says that this is our chance to end the war. And Bucky says, end the war? I've heard that before. It's about as fresh as three-day-old fish. Hmm. That Bucky. It's Bucky. He's got a lot of quips, huh? Mm. Corey, you ever smelt three-day-old fish? No, I have not. Have you ever seen the movie Major League, Corey? No, I have not. Jamie, have you? Yes. And Bob Euchre's the commentator? And he's got the guy, the sidekick he talks to throughout the whole movie who barely speaks. I feel like I'm Bob Euchre and Corey is that guy right now. They'll call him the best color man for nothing. He's a man of few words. Normally I can't get him to shut up. You put a mic in front of him and uh, he, won't say, he won't say a word. Steve flies in front. He puts the train a la Superman 1, the movie where he's trying to stop. And she's like, let's do Operation Where Eagles Dare. They do the zip lines just like the movie. Bucky almost falls off the train. She grabs him by the arm. And he says, you almost ripped my arm off. Huh? Huh? <laughs> the Winter Soldier says, you almost ripped my arm off. We huh? get it. Get that, Corey? Yes. Steve's going to go in for a closer look. And uh, he sees a whole bunch of explosion. He tells everyone to get off. And the explosions start blowing up the train. Everybody else gets off. And it appears that Steve has died. Spiked the Hydra Stomper, uh, Howard Stark, bragging it was indestructible. So then they got to go because an avalanche comes and they have to leave. So they can't even find Steve's body, whether or not he's alive or not. That pesky colonel comes back again. He's yelling at him. Says, uh, you said it was indestructible. And Howard Stark says, it is. Well, it was. And she says, his name isn't Hydra Stomper. It's Steve Rogers. And she storms off. And then he mutters, she never should have been in the field in the first place. This guy just will not give Peggy a break, will he? No, he will not. 
set in his ways. I mean, at this point, I feel she's proved herself. But no, this guy's just... He's it got wasn't a, his idea, so... Oh, people only want to take credit for their own ideas. I can see that. So uh, she goes to Armin Zola, and he says he, he's wondering when she'll visit. He'll tell her nothing. He's going to be even more tight-lipped than my, uh, my guest, Corey. He's going to say nothing. And then they immediately cut to a scene of her saying, well, he told me everything. <laughs> she uh, talks about how he's got an interdimensional force that's either going to have world domination or world annihilation. On this note, Corey, you brought this up to me the other day. You said, why do people want to destroy the world? Yeah, I never knew. Like, where are they going to go after? Like, I understand taking over the world, but why would you want to destroy the world? I never quite got it. Galactus was the only guy who I ever understood why he destroyed the world because he's the devourer of worlds. Like he literally lives off the energy of planets. But other than him, why would why would the Red Skull want to destroy the world? Need this planet where anybody on this planet who wants to destroy this planet, like Corey says, still has to remain living on this planet. So maybe it's the old "if I can't have it, nobody with." I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take it down with. You're it. okay to go down with the ship. Exactly. It's like a mass shooting. On steroids. And after that, good old Bucky. Talk about being a few sardines short of a can. Corey, uh, they must say that in school all the time. Every time you're talking about some wacky student, you say he's a few uh, sardines short of a can. We say that all the time. That's what I thought. And then uh, she tells the colonel, you're lucky to be in this room. She finally telling this guy you know what for who's been riding her ass the whole goddamn TV show. She gives a pretty good speech about how this is their moment. They may not stop the war, but they're going to stop Hydra. It was not as good as a Steve Rogers speech, but it was, uh, it was good. It was in the vein, I feel. One of those getting you pumped up for America type speeches. Got me a little pumped. I don't know about you. Corey, I could see the goosebumps while we were watching it. I was pumped. What does get pumped. you pumped up? Yeah. Anything? I was very pumped. <laughs> this is pumped. I'd hate to see relaxed. This guy's like a rug on Valium. You know what I'm saying? All right. Howard says he's not going to participate with the commandos. And she says, come on, Howard. We might need someone to push the buttons. Uh-huh. That's what you call a callback, ladies and gentlemen. So then they go to Hydra Castle. They break in. She's kicking butt. She's doing it with the commandos. She lets them in. They're going to split up into teams. Howard goes with uh, Peggy and the commandos go the other way. Here's another thing. Then you see the skull put the Tesseract in a machine. Now, in Captain America, the first Avenger, he touched it for the first time and disintegrated in front of our eyes and blew up. Yet in this, he can just touch it, pick it up, put it in the machine like it's nothing. You're going to tell me now that's because Peggy Carter got the super soldier serum. Suddenly, the Tesseract now, he can just handle like it's nothing? No, because that in itself should stay the same no matter what universe it's in. I feel like they wrote this... Watching the other films, but when it was convenient to what they wanted to come up with, instead of coming up with something that made sense, they just said, oh, fuck it, nobody will remember that. Hey, it's a family-friendly show. All right, so this is opening a portal, and then out come giant tentacles. I don't know about either of you, but I was so let down by this. Giant tentacles. That big octopus at the end? Yes. I'm like, I was expecting, like, it's... He mentioned Odin, so I thought one of the frost giants from Thor 1 was going to come out, or Loki, or something, and it says just the cliche of just some giant monster. 
I mean, do you guys have any expectations or were you not even, I was the only one thinking about what this could lead into. You were the only one like pumped and excited and thinking what this could lead into. I'm never as excited for the, the big. To me, it just turns into another cliche giant monster ending that so many of these action and superhero type movies have. Red Skull is all proud of himself, but then the tentacles grab him and crush him like a grape. That's it. The Red Skull's dead. Now to back up again. Captain America and the Winter Soldier, he gets the Tesseract, builds all this technology, laser guns, all this other stuff. No mention of this intergalactic force that's going to annihilate the world. So in this one, he doesn't build any of the technology. And he just comes up with this crazy plan that never happened in Captain America, the first Avenger. Why didn't he come up with this plan? To, that seems to me that would have worked a hell of a lot better than just the technology, creating this giant monster that'll destroy the Allies. It, yeah. It's stupid. Uh, but it kills him. He's dead. And then uh, Peggy says, maybe we do need a plan. You find out that the, the commandos have found the armor. Steve is still alive. He was held captive in uh, the castle. Corey, uh, you couldn't have believed he was really dead. No, he said it was indestructible. And uh, they got to get him back in the suit, he says. And uh, he says, uh, there's not a lot of power, but it's going to generate enough power to be long enough. The minute he powers up, timber crash. He falls forward. This felt like halfway through the writer's room, someone said, hey, we need some of that wacky MCU humor that, that is so prevalent in a lot of our movies. What if you had him just fall over? Wouldn't that be hilarious? Corey, you were in hysterics, I could tell. I know, it was very funny. I thought it was funny. Eh, all right, then he stands up and he flies through the ceiling. He's going to get there. They go back to... Uh, this thing's throwing Nazi. Well, I shouldn't say throwing Nazis. Throwing Hydra members around these tentacles. And uh, Peggy says it appears to be getting bigger. Gets too much bigger. It's going to destroy all of Europe. Howard says, uh, if I get to that machine, I might be able to transpawn the address and do the science stuff. She says, transpawn the polarity, reversing the suction. He says, hey, being the genius is my thing. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Some good stuff there, huh? So he's trying to figure it out while she's fighting it, but he can't because everything's in German, which actually I thought was a refreshing detail because so many times villains from other countries build machines and they always write it in English. So it was kind of refreshing that this was actually written in German. Wouldn't you say? I would say it is true. Usually it's conveniently in the language in which you're speaking. So she's grabbed a sword. She's cutting tentacles. She's fighting, but the thing's starting to overpower her and uh, he can't figure it out. And she says that... uh, who would have thought the American playboy needs help pushing buttons? Hmm. They're really milking that button pushing joke for all it's worth. Wouldn't you say, Corey? Yeah, they made a lot of those jokes. And uh, I think he said, uh, I spent a weekend with uh, Patty Lemire, but she wasn't teaching him German. I don't even know if I know who that is. Do you? I don't. I'm assuming it's some famous actress or something from the, the 40s, time. Or- yeah, I'm not positive. I'm surprised you don't love that uh, button-pushing humor. You love killing a joke. That, that is not true. So uh, she's trapped by the tentacles and starts dragging her in. Steve comes in to rescue the day, but uh, he gets slammed against the wall by the tentacles. This thing really means business. It's dragging her. She's sticking her sword into the floor, trying not to get dragged in. The Howling Commandos come in and says, and there's, uh, there's Bucky. Oh, that Bucky. Who ordered the calamari? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy eh. is funny. 
Lots of fish jokes. A lot of them. Yes, actually, you're right. Sardines. Sardines. Calamari. Calamari. And um, three-day-old three fish. fish. Yes. Nothing gets over. the docks when he was <laughs> Nothing gets over like fish humor. Yes. <laughs> so the monster's screaming so loud. Everyone's covering their ears, and it's bringing down the castle. It's starting to break. Steve picks up the commandos, flies them to safety. Howard can't quite close the thing. It's preventing it from happening. So uh, Peggy says she's going to push it back to hell. She charges it full on with her shield. Steve comes in to save the day, but right then his uh, armor runs out of power. And as she's pushing it, she says to Steve, Saturday night, don't forget, you owe him a dance. You owe him a dance. (laughs) You owe me a dance. She pushes the thing into the portal. It blows up, disappears. Nothing's left but a crater in the Tesseract. And there's a big shot of Steve. He's in despair on his knees, knowing that Peggy has disappeared, possibly dead. And we cut to the Tesseract again, opening a big portal, just like in the first Avengers movie. You remember that, huh, Corey? I do. That Loki went through, and then uh, the blasting tentacles fly out, and so does Peggy Carter. And who should be there but Nick Fury and Hawkeye? And uh, Hawkeye says, that's uh, Captain Carter. She said, uh, asked about Steve Rogers, and he says that the war ended 70 years ago. And then it shows ending with uh, Peggy with a sad face. Cut to the Watcher, wrapping up the storyline, talking about that's the end and how under no circumstances he cannot, will not interfere because he is a Watcher after all. And we go to the end credits. I have a question for you. So sure, at the fire end, away. Um, I believe... I'm begging for anyone to speak other than me <laughs> at this point. I've been talking a lot. It's hard. This is We're just the, the background noise to your crazy ranting. When they ask her, are you okay? She says, yes, we won the war. Yeah. Is there a line like that in the original? Does anybody ask Steve Rogers, Captain America, are you okay? And does he have a similar line? Uh, Well, he runs into Times Square and... Uh, yeah, he don't look okay. He and, looks uh, confused. And Fury says, uh, you've been asleep, Captain, for nearly 70 years. And I can't remember off the top of my head, but something about missing. He had a date for, he references that he had a date with Sharon. Okay, so they it's do not change that part between the two. He Peggy. references that he had a date with Peggy. Well, now he can date Sharon. <laughs> um, <laughs> he certainly can. There you go. All right, so there you have it. What if Peggy Carter got the super soldier serum? Or uh, what if Howard Stark built Iron Man's armor instead of uh, what he did or uh, all these other bizarre things. But uh, we're going to go right to the spectrometer. For anyone new to the show, the spectrometer is we rank what we saw. Zero to four. Zero spectros being absolute crap. Four spectros being can't get any better. Jamie, we're going to start with you. Spectrometer, how do you rank? What if Peggy Carter became the super soldier? I'll give it three spectros. It could get better. I'm sure the some other episodes, but I, I'm interested to watch more, unlike that other Spider Woman thing you had me watch. But um or most of the things you had me watch for cartoons. So yeah, I thought it was good. All right, Corey, I know you've been saving up all your uh, energy for this because uh you've been saving up all your words. So rank the first episode of What If on the Spectrometer. I'd say Two and a half spectros. They had some things that I did not get. That just didn't make sense. The other things that I liked, they were great. 
What did you like? What did you like? Let's start there. You just said you liked it, so. I like how they didn't change their relationship just because she was the captain. I like that, too. And what did you not like about it? One of the examples is uh, how come he knew where Bucky was. No, he never never knew. He never knew. You don't like it when things aren't explained. So I can understand that. We aren't uh, keeping you from a nap at this point, I hope. like uh, We're not keeping you up too late, I hope. I don't have work tomorrow. I'm fine. Well, I think you're both generous. I'm giving this thing one and three quarters of a spectro. And the animation is what it is. It was different, at least. I think this was... Very feeble what if story. I feel somebody wanted to write Peggy Carter as a superhero, so they just did it. Um, but they do all these things that make no sense. Like suddenly, because he gets the Tesseract later, the Red Skull doesn't develop all this technology. He opens this portal with this tentacle monster. Howard Stark builds his Iron Man's armor, which he had the Tesseract for 70 years, never did. The Captain Carter name was just bad. The whole, they're going to use your blood to make others, yet they never did, well, they did apparently make them because in the MCU, they have a whole bunch of others. At that point, they were just saying that she was scrap because- Red Skull can hold the Tesseract all of a sudden. Um, the story itself is pretty uninspired. You're basic, just, she's going to fight Nazis or some big bad thing in the sky at the end that our hero has to fight. I just thought the writing was not particularly good. I thought it was lazy. I thought it was kind of a feeble what-if story. They didn't really explore a lot of things. It just felt to me like someone wanted to write Peggy Carter as a superhero. And whenever things that happened in the MCU that would make the story make sense, they just conveniently ignored them or changed them. Just Maybe you're too set in the ways of the way things have always been that you're unable to accept any sort of change. I think you're being too harsh. Well, it should have been that she became this, the soldier. And do you have a problem with them doing a basic gender swap where she became a soldier? I don't that in itself, there's nothing wrong with that. But they should have kept the same storyline of the Red Skull had the Tesseract to develop other technology, not this bizarre, stupid story of a opening a dimension when the tentacles came out. I saw it coming a mile away. It was gonna end with her getting transported to the future, just so now they can do all these other stories in present day with since Steve, since Chris Evans isn't Captain America anymore, now it's they can do these. Not so they can day. do more stories. They had to wrap up the story, and they wrapped it up the same way they wrapped up the other story. It was parallel to his journey. Uh, just uh, and what's wrong with the animation? I sit here and I watch you watch some pretty damn crap animation, like it's good. There's just something off about it. A lot. I, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. The good thing is I liked, I really did enjoy the first scene where she was Captain Carter. Terrible name. Because I thought that fight scene was cool. I mean, she suplexed the truck. You can't fault that. And I liked her reaction to the powers. I liked it a lot. And I liked the dynamic of her and Steve. But overall, I just, I just found this poorly written, uninspired, and I just hope the rest of the series has a little bit more thought put in. I recalculated this. your tally, and I think you give it two spectros. <laughs> You recalculated my... Yes, you had a lot of positives there. And I think it deserves at least... Mac is it two spectrums. I might go up to two, but at, okay. at best. Two. See, you heard it here. Two I just got to say, if the next episode, if they want me to stick around for all uh, nine episodes... I think you've been a little 
I don't know the word, you've been put out by a lot of the stuff being released lately. So, I mean, you you haven't even watched Loki. You were you weren't in love with Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think you're you're looking for greatness. I will and admit, you feel everything keeps falling short. There was a time I was one of the biggest advocate for the MCU. You were. I loved everything they did. I defended it to everyone. But ever since Endgame, I really feel You're that having trouble. Yeah, they've really been struggling. Like WandaVision, I thought was. I loved WandaVision. I liked up till the end. I thought the end was a little shaky, but I enjoyed overall. I enjoyed it. Gonna, Falcon Winter Soldier, I thought was terrible. Awful. You thought it was okay while you were watching it, but it seemed like afterwards, the more you let it stew inside of you, you went from. It was okay to, it wasn't good to, oh my God, what a piece of crap. I can't believe they did yeah, this, 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 not, this, this. You let it sit with you and marinate. And I then can't even worse. muster the interest to, to watch Loki. Maybe it's yeah. good, maybe it's not. Black Widow, I still haven't seen. This, I was not that impressed with. Maybe the next episode will be good. I, don't, I just keep waiting for Marvel to do something again to win me back over. And Shang-Chi, and the, I think that's how it's pronounced. Looks pretty good, so that might be it. Black Widow looks good. You've watched that trailer 742 times. Yeah, but our daughter I think likes some that. of it is because of the story. <laughs> our daughter likes movie trailers. Corey, what does. do you think of the MCU? It is not the same as it used to be. <laughs> now, I have to say, Corey, before meeting you, knew nothing and actually used to just kind of make fun of you for the nerd that you are, you know, super into comic books and wrestling and other stuff that we definitely weren't into. I still do. You do, but although you've never read a comic book and never you... will read a comic book, he still does really enjoy watching the movies. We're just not as critical as you are because we don't have that history like you do. We just kind well, of see maybe them as Corey's critical, but when you don't speak, uh, you would never hear the critiques. He's not. Um, he's just not ready. We could start a Harry Potter podcast. He will have plenty to say. Believe me. <laughs> or if you started something where he has really dissected it inside and out something that he's passionate about like harry potter then i'm sure he would be a lot more talkative now this is going to be a little clunky this part normally we go to if a child came across this in 2021 when they enjoy it but this came out in 2021 and we have a and we have a child virtual child almost a man on there obviously we'd answer the question uh, what a child in 2021 would think but you just you just gave it to us i don't think littler kids would uh would like this all that much what do you guys think no they wouldn't I mean, Abby might just because she did actually watch similar shows with me and she does like the trailers and if it's animated, she'll watch it. But a child that knows what they're watching? Yeah, I don't know if they would actually understand what's happening or going on. No, the whole purpose is to take something else and turn it into something else and they, they're they not even going to be familiar with the original material. So no, I don't think they would find it interesting. Well, there you have it, folks. What did you think of the first episode of What If? Did you like it better than I did? Did you uh, like it even less than I did? Uh, we always want to hear your opinion, your two cents. If you liked it more than I did, great. Nobody can take that away from you. I'm not knocking you. This is just one well, one man's opinion, one woman's opinion. And He's not knocking you in public, but believe me. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> And uh, one, I guess, an opinion. You'd have to get him to speak before you could get an opinion. Um, but I want to hear from you. If you can go to my social media and give us your comments, uh, tell us what you thought about what if. You can go to my uh, Twitter page. I am uh, at Matt Spectro. If you could also follow me, that'd be greatly appreciated. Go to my Facebook page, Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Follow there. Give me a like. If you could uh, subscribe to my podcast, uh, give me a five star review. Follow me, spread the word. I really appreciate it. Anything helps me getting the word out there. If you have any ideas for future shows, I'd like to hear from you again. I want to thank 
my beautiful wife for joining me. I don't know if I should, I guess I should thank Corey for holding up the microphone. Uh, I appreciate it. I think you did a great there. job, Corey, on your first podcast. Great. Actually, I, I did I one in school. four spectros. I did one in school, but I read out basically anything on the packet. And he got an F. Great. Well, I got an A+. Plus. I think he gave everyone an A+. Plus. As long as it's the 20 minutes, you're good. So you got the participation podcast trophy. <laughs> I think as long as it's 20 minutes. Participation ribbon of podcast. Right, there you go, Milford School. I, I think- know he's your son, and you, but great. I think I I think yeah he's he's four spectros. I oh. think that he um that the that he's the best thing that ever happened to this universe. Universe, yes. Podcast, no. <laughs> yeah. He's he's my schmoop. Well, the mass spectrum universe, I'm the greatest part of it. Are you? Yes. Well, maybe second to What does that mass say about my other guests? If this guy was the greatest part of it. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm the greatest. He's the second greatest. If Corey was any lot more livelier, a funeral might break out. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, on that note, we're going to end it. Thank you for joining us on Matt Spectre the Multiverse for another exciting episode. And we'll see you next week, folks. Excelsior!